Well, this is The New Activist, a weekly show that features conversations with activists and leaders who are tackling some of the world's biggest humanitarian issues from the front lines of the war against injustice. My name is Eddie Koffeltz, and it is such a joy to be with you today. Our guest on the show today is the band collectively known as The Brilliance. We will be hearing today from half of The Brilliance, David Gunger. As you may recall, David was on the show a few years ago, and since then, a lot has happened, both in the the country and in the world and in the life of the brilliance. And so we're going to catch up with David and talk to him about all of that. But moreover, we're going to actually change the format of the show a little bit today because they have released a new album. This album is called Sweet Number One, O Dreamer. And this entire album, this entire work, it's its a real singular work, is, is about the DACA Dreamer Act and what is happening in the world and in our country today with, with immigrants and the immigration conversation. And David takes a really thoughtful and two-sided or maybe no-sided approach. But in any event, it, it really was an album that for me personally, caused me to stop and think and consider. And so today's show is going to be almost a a documentary. The Brilliance were kind enough not only to, of course, always score the new activist, but to allow us to listen to the entire album today. And so we're going to spend time with every single song on the album, and David is going to chat about it a bit. And I hope that this isn't just a moment where we reflect on cool music, but we really consider an issue that is important together. To that end, I am not going to talk much at the end of the show. I'm going to give you all of the information now just so that you can sit and be in that moment. So I will tell you that the Brilliance are on tour. Actually, in truth, they leave in about a week and a half, but it's close enough. So you should go and get tickets and buy their music. They can be found at thebrilliancemusic.com. And for some of their most loyal fans, they've set up a Patreon. And it's really neat because you can get full access to not only their catalog, but also early access to future suites. You can get charts if that's something that's helpful for you. You can actually get like the music to download and play at home, which is so neat. Anyhow, go to thebrilliancemusic.com for music, merch, Patreon, tour dates, and more. And with that, we get into it. Here is David Gunger of The Brilliance and their new album, Suite Number One, Oh Dreamer. The last time you were on the show was November of 2016. You actually recorded the interview early in 2016. Actually, the day that our show aired was the day that the election happened in 2016. And so oh a lot has gosh. happened. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm curious, and, I'm, and and not just politically, but just what has been happening in your life over the last couple of years and the life of, of the brilliance. Oh, my gosh. I don't... I, I have to... Um, for brilliance, it's been great. Right. <laughs> for brilliance, it's been great. Personally, um, when I look back at it, it's funny. I just did this. Um, I was with a group of friends over New Year's Eve, and we had to say what was twenty seven, twenty eighteen. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah so right. I haven't been on in like three years. This is crazy. Well, yeah, I guess a little over two, but um, we had to say what was twenty eighteen for us. And what was the blessing of 2018? And I, I think the word I used, um, just the blessing of 
resilience of like being able to fight through my own um, just the darkness of 2018 for me in a lot of ways. Um, and I think a lot of that darkness was centered around feeling like uh, I'm an I'm a person that doesn't like feeling like uh, whatever we do is meaningless. <laughs> mm. Like we try to do good, but it's just like oh, you're you're kind of fighting something that like is it even worth fighting for? Yeah. And I felt that in a career, in, in my career, as far as like I uh have a band and we were making music and it felt like i'll say specifically like going into the election so this is a really long way to get back to your question but going in like 2016 we were putting out a record around then called all is not lost and everything was trying to uh point people towards each other's humanity and dignity and I felt like we we got in a really odd spot of just not being able to have conversations anymore because everything got so politically divided. And in a certain way, identity politic and identity theology, but also um, also in this weird space of, um, for me personally, like, I think I struggled with in our own, my own community. I work in New York also, and I'm a part of a church. And just seeing how, even in like as progressive as a a city of New York is, um, it just, the political atmosphere in churches got so freaking weird. Um, Where, I don't, how do I exp- how do I explain this in the best way I can? And I'm sorry, this is like a terrible podcast interview to start for the first question. But I'd just be like, man, I felt so I felt so tired because everything that I would do to try um, to move towards someone's humanity or dignity, I felt like there was always someone who was accusing me of something. And usually, it was so easy to get despondent and weary about Christians. And so working in a Christian space, it gave me like this existential dread that I was like, I don't want to be associated with this group. Even though my own community wasn't that group, for the most part, it still put me in a space where like, for instance, um, and we'll we'll talk about this, but we did we just did a project around uh, DACA Dreamers and I had an opportunity to go down to the caravan. And there was a person that had um, he had left our church after the election season. He thought we were too political for for how we kind of handled things. And he um, he sent me a text while I was down in the caravan because he saw like he followed me on Instagram and he saw on my personal Instagram I posted some pictures of the caravan. Hmm. And he just came at me and he's like, "So what do you think they should? What what do you think that America should do when the caravan hits um, the border?" And I'm like, "Whoa, this person is." not like a hey man saw you're not like anything kind it's just like right away coming at me uh via text i haven't talked to this person in a long time and uh and i kind of gave a very pc answer about like hey what i'm seeing here is really devastating um i there are no easy answers to any of this essentially and he came back at me and said any person that brings their kid and uses them as a shield to try to get in our country deserves to burn in hell 
And I'm like, what? And then just went on this tirade about how George Soros um, is a Satan worshiper and is paying for this whole thing and blah, 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 blah. And all of this from like our church helping feed 7,000 people like food. That's it. And everything that we were, it was just like, I can never... And win is is the wrong word, but I can I can never be at peace with you. I'm always somehow offending you. That's what it felt like. For the brilliance, um, at the end of 2017, we were we're kind of like, should we even make music anymore? We we're both getting into our 30s, and making music sounds really glamorous, but it's actually can be very uh, depressing <laughs> because you're like, hey. I mean, on one end, it's it's cool that people connect to the music and there's beautiful stories of that. But there's also like, hey, you're traveling in a van, yeah. um, driving around the country, playing these shows. And at the end of 2017, we, um, we were in a little bit of like tour debt. And uh, there was a friend named Mark Reddy. He does, uh, he yeah, does work. Justice Conference. Yeah, he does stuff with Justice Conference. And he also... Um, does all kinds of stuff with refugees. And um, he came to a concert in Chicago at the end of 2017, and he was just like, hey, guys, um, love to take you out to dinner after or dinner or drinks afterwards. We went to this like crazy little, it was freezing, and we went to this like funny little tiki bar in downtown Chicago. <laughs> and so we're, we're, we're drinking like these like classic beach drinks in the freezing Chicago winter. And um, he just asked how we're doing. And I feel like he caught us out on a night where John and I both were totally just done, you know? So John was done with like, man, I feel like I'm just making music that's not fully honest because um, I'm always trying to say something and be honest, but I'm always getting labeled something as like this Christian artist and I'm not even that. And then I'm trying to be honest and be like, I don't know if this is working. I feel like John and I love making music together since we were kids. We're like brothers. Everything is cool on that. But do we totally rebrand? Do we totally just give up? Like, what are we doing? Right. And he he did this thing that was pretty amazing for me where he just said, hey, guys, you guys make music that a lot of people connect to, but you just need, like, what's your dream? What would be your dream for making music? And John and I just kind of over a, a couple like uh, you know pina colada type drinks just kind of spilled our souls on like this is the music that we would make and he's like well I'm working with dreamers with DACA dreamers and we didn't I had heard of DACA dreamers and at the time it was in the news but I didn't know much details about it and he's like what if you wrote a song for dreamers it's like yeah that's cool you know what would that look like and he's like well why don't you just first i've i've got friends we were in new york he's like why don't you meet with some dreamers and just hear their story and so we did we went out to lunch with this guy and the first guy that we went out to lunch with he was from newark and he he told us his story of um at the time he was still trying to he was around our age he was early 30s and he was still trying to get into uh the army and we're like, you want to get into the army? He has this, he has a job. It looked like he was doing pretty well. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, when I was in high school, I was in the ROTC and I was going to go um, right into the army and then go to military school. 
uh, military training school. And then eventually he wanted to be, his dream was to be a firefighter because he said uh, during 9-11, he was in Newark, but he could see the towers and he saw when everything went down at 9-11 and, and the response of um, f- specifically um, firefighters. And he just was so inspired. And so here's this guy who wants to serve in the military and then become a firefighter. And then he finds out when he's applying for colleges that actually he's undocumented. And his mom, he didn't know, was working two jobs. She was a single mom. She was working during the day and during the night. And he said, because of it, he like had this really dark moment of feeling a lot of pain and, um, he would call it like uh, almost a sense of like hate towards his mom because because she, she didn't tell him and it, he felt like he ruined like she ruined his life. Um, however, since then and it, there's been healing and a beautiful um, amount of you know he's had a lot of gratitude and a change of heart. He was a young guy, but just going through that tension of feeling like I have this life dream, and then finding out he can't do his dream because he's undocumented. So. He told us his story, and John and I kind of were stopped in our tracks um, because he he did something that he took a, a narrative where, um, for one, this guy was like pretty super conservative, and we kind of loved that. Um, and two, he was like, you know what? I'm kind of I'm grateful for Trump right now for putting this out there so that like people have to act. He was grateful to Obama before for it, but he was also grateful to Trump. So he's coming from this place of gratitude that it just it, it flipped every weird like stereotype and narrative on its head. Yes, and that stopped us in our track, and we thought, "Wow, I grew up." John and I both grew up uh, in Christian homes, very much around the idea of nonviolence, and I'm still, I still believe that. However. Um, there was something really beautiful about his dream was to like serve and serve our country and thought, man, I'm such a privileged, like 30 something American who grew up never thinking about serving his country because I didn't have to, right? I didn't grow up in world war two or, and we, I grew up in a time where like after Vietnam, where you, you didn't have this obligation to have to serve your country in the military. And yet this person his dream was to serve. And so no matter where you come at with war or whatever, I thought there was something so respectful about the idea that a person wants to to serve their community um, and serve their country. And so in a sense, this got me much more, this idea got me a lot more patriotic. Mm. <laughs> um, and so it got me more engaged politically and wanting to learn more. And so we did. Um, and I started we, John and I started writing these demos for this song. And the first demo that I wrote um, was around the Statue of Liberty. My, my kids go to school downtown, and I see the Statue of Liberty a lot. Hmm. Um, and so I, I wrote this song uh, that kind of played with the Statue of Liberty uh, poem. And the idea was love has an open door. Welcome, stranger. Give us your tired and poor, all those in need. Stranger, give us your tired and poor, all those in need. All 
does love have enough does this actually how do we do this and instead of taking a posture for anything um a subject like this is how do we not first of all just have answers that are preachy but how do we ask a good question and then always try when we ask that question to say okay there is no with this question there is no response to this question that is above critique meaning no matter what solution we come up with this to this problem it should be able to be critiqued it's not just dogma however within that answer to the question that can be critiqued there's no person that's below dignity so if the answer to this question takes away someone's dignity we can't actually critique it we want to actually be always whatever our solutions are it should always see a person's dignity it should always see their humanity and it shouldn't take it away from them so when i say that when we when we talk about solutions to daca or we start talking about bigger themes of immigration we are not the uh the 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 people that know everything or have all the answers and in fact whatever the answer is going to be it should be able to have tension to be critiqued but all of our music is always going to try to point towards the dignity of people and what we're talking about specifically with this new project that really inspired us started off as one song it became a whole album was in which way can we use our privilege to talk about issues specifically that i that don't keep me up at night because i'm privileged enough to go to sleep but for other people it might it really keeps them up at night and so the more that you experience someone's pain and you see their what they're going through you are then held responsible for that you have a sense of like you you can't get out of it so we have tasted and seen the goodness of um immigrants in our country and have tasted and seen the stories of people who are trying to make a better life for themselves if that's in the caravan or if that's as a documented immigrant here or an undocumented immigrant here we've heard their stories and they've inspired us and so now we're held responsible to help share their stories and it doesn't necessarily always mean a personal story where i'm like just writing um their story as an artist no it can mean saying something like this it's as simple as we have a song called um where would you be without your dream yes where would you where would you be without where would you be without your Where would you Where would you be without Where would you be without your dream If you do 
was chosen for you I never felt it before I swear I never ever felt it What is your dream? And when I ask my kids what their dreams are, a lot of times they go to a place where it might be like their dream is to be a doctor or to be um, my oldest daughter uh, really wants to be a writer, which is a beautiful dream. And yet if you talk to another kid who is in a different place with their citizenship, their, their dream it might be to have a home or to be reunited with their parents. And when a dream um, is as simple as have something like clean water, uh, it puts your dream kind of in check because of their basic needs become a dream. Where would you, where would you be without, where would you be without your dream it struck me when listening to the full the full album that it is really a singular experience which is which is rare these days as i feel like most albums are meant to be just individual tracks just you know something that you consume a piece at a time. And while you can listen to this album, a track, you know, just pull out a song you like, Oh Dreamer or something like that. There's an arc and there's a story to this whole thing. Can you a little bit take us inside the arc of the album? Yeah. So we, the, the album starts off with a song called Welcome to the Darkness. And I wrote that, um, in a, in this kind of crazy political season. And during that time, there were more uh, shooting, shootings of unarmed black men and women and children. And I felt, I, I remember I, uh, I wrote that song knowing that I had to go to a church and like lead praise and worship songs while like the reality of... Um, what was happening on the news and in our cities and all around the country, um, there was just so much tension. So I wrote that from this place almost as a love song for my church. Even though you're like, that's the weirdest love song. No, I know. <laughs> like, all right. Call that a love song. But it's it's this does this thing where it's like, welcome to the darkness. Fear will let you in. Welcome to the darkness. Feel 
And then at the end, it, it ends with this kind of riddle, which says, um, as old as the world is, the struggle is, as long as the struggle lives, the world. So as long as human history is, there's always this struggle. And yet, as long as we see the struggle, we see what is human. We see hope. As as long as we, I think, if we don't see the struggle, we're in the darkness. So just this, the fact that we see the struggle, we see that there is life. And so from that place, it moves. The album moves into um, moves into this theme. Uh, the next song is called Stranger. When the foreign ships arrive, I live, we could see where Ellis Island was. You feel the danger. And I kept on having this image of like past, present, future. You feel what's inside. In the past, you imagine all of these immigrants coming in. You feel the stranger. And when the foreign ships arrive, you fear what's inside. You were a stranger. Um, forgetting that you were a stranger, you are a stranger. You are a stranger. Like to no matter who you are, no. you're a stranger. You're the foreigner. You're the stranger to someone, especially for a person who's privileged. And when we do votes and when we do certain things, we have these responsibilities that we don't feel like um, we that our votes matter for other people. You know. But when you're in a place where there are policies that actually affect your life, your vote actually does matter. And so when you say, oh, I'm, I'm going to not worry about foreign policy or I'm not going to worry about um, whatever issue, uh, well, that actually affects someone's life directly, even though you don't feel it. And so it says this line, and now you are a shotgun to the head. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault, said the shotgun to the head. When anytime, you know, that's the classic guns, guns don't kill people, people kill people. And my, I don't, you know, I didn't cause our policy to happen. I, did, I didn't, you know, I'm going to scapegoat and say, oh, that was Trump or that was Obama or that was blame whoever. That was this, that was Congress. I, that's not my fault. That's, I have clean hands in this. And so we always say, well, it's never our fault. And yet as Americans, we have a responsibility. And even if you say, not even just from a voting perspective, but from a perspective of the way that we buy things, um, the way that we eat, the way that we travel the world, or the way that we, whatever you want to say, our lives have a direct impact on people all around the world. And yet, a lot of times, because of the existential weight and responsibility of that, we totally check out. And either we are blind to it, or we scapegoat it. And we say, what's going on right now? It's not our fault. And so from there, it is, a, and I'm going to use religious language here, it's like a call to action or to turn towards doing what is right. Religiously, that's called repentance. 
But for me, it's like, okay, well, what am I going to do with this knowledge now? And so it moves from there into these series of um, dreams, we call them, where uh, John composed these really beautiful, short piano uh, miniatures that are beautiful, but each one is based around an immigrant that we know, documented or undocumented. For those listening that are tracking, it's, is it Volta? Is that how you see it? Volta, Volta. yes. And Ludwig? She, she was, yes, she's an actual person that Jean worked with. And then yeah. Lily, her dream uh, is my grandma. Huh. Um, and her kind of crazy story. Um, and then uh, what, what was the last dream that you and see? Ludwig? Um, yeah, well, and now that one is funny because that one is actually around Beethoven and his story. And it takes a piece by Beethoven. Um, so each each one has their own kind of yeah. little story. And they're dispersed throughout, but they're inspired by the theme of someone who's searching for their home. And then um, we while we were making this, we had this song... Um, Oh, Dreamer, which was the one that I had re- written and we kind of does love have an open yeah, door, this yeah. theme. We had been wanting to work with um, specifically this this uh, artist named Diana Gameros. Come every weary soul Find your haven liberties So Diana um, was gracious enough to listen to the music and give us kind of some feedback with it. And in a matter of a couple of days, we just came up with some different arrangements for this song, Oh Dreamer. And we recorded another version of it with her and then did a takeaway show, kind of recorded it and recorded kind of her story. Now, she was an undocumented immigrant as well. And uh, through this process, actually just um, a couple of months ago, just received her green card. Um, but she was undocumented and had her entire story of not being able to return to Mexico to go see her family. She lived with her grandmother. following song uh, in between these dreams John has a another song called Don't You Let Go of Your Dream and that song Don't You Let Go of Your Dream is once again really simple it's like this little anthem of hope 
but it does this it starts off with this thing of i'm so tired of chasing ghosts i've been chasing my whole life and though i'm tired as i've ever been i'm not giving up this fight and for john i mean it's it's a good song to me um john wrote that anytime that you have something that can have multiple meanings for whoever's listening to it that's i like songs like that um that are not just what does this mean it can have multiple meanings and for John, on one sense, our own story of he he's tired of making music specifically for a certain group of people that just don't get him, right? And so he's singing this verse, and I'm hearing it, and I'm like choking up because I'm going, he's not giving up. Yeah. And yet, for anyone else that's hearing this for whatever their dream is, don't you let go of your dream, whoever that is. And then my kids and my wife come in, and they're the singers, and they're kind of singing for me. Um, where they join along and you hear this big chorus of us, of my family singing along with John, of Don't You Let Go of Your Dream. What's your hope for when someone finishes the last track and gets up to do something? Like, what what, what was the point of it? Is that, is that even a question? Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, I don't like I, the question, but I will answer. I will well, answer. Why don't you like the question? I will. I will. No, no, I'm no, more no, curious no. about that. Well, I don't like the question because on one end, when you put art out, um, if there isn't a sense of mystery, there's not, like, okay. it should be the start it should be the start to something new. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't wrap a bow where it's like, and now you feel like you should do this, right? I feel like what makes really, what what's the difference between like art and propaganda? And what's the difference between th this thing where you're like, okay, I, I see a really beautiful piece of art. You can have a take and I can have a take and that means it's good art. But if we both just have the same exact thing, the same exact experience, um, I don't, I don't think that's great art. It can be, it can be beautiful still. It can be whatever. I just say for this album, yeah. I think, it, I hope that it meets people where they're at. And I hope that it engages their imagination in different ways to then always still move with empathy towards people who have different dreams than themselves. And with that, we go back into the world. On behalf of the brilliance and my colleagues at International Justice Mission, I am Eddie Koffeltz. Take care, friends. Does love have an open door? Welcome, stranger. Give us your tired air. 
those in Nuestra nos da verdad.